Thank you so much. Um, I wonder how many of you watched the royal wedding yesterday. Come on, give me a little wave. That's almost all of you. It was quite an occasion, wasn't it? I, you know, I, I, I kind of resisted as much as I could. I was out in the garden and then I sort of got, I got sucked in to the, to the procession and the pomp and the ceremony and the wonder of the whole thing. It really was a phenomenal occasion. Um, although I, it has to be said, the car go, going up to Windsor Castle was going a bit fast, wasn't it? You know, I don't know, they could have just taken, they, half the speed would have been fine, but I guess, you know, that they had a schedule perfectly on time, they were keeping to it. A beautiful, not just a beautiful wedding dress with an amazing veil held by those, those uh, page boys and bridesmaids and the page boy with the cheeky little grin with the no teeth, you know. <laughs> These, these classic English moments and, and amazing crowds cheering on. And then as they came out of the church, surrounded by this, this mass of flowers and that arch in the church as well. And then down the, that perfect kiss at the top of the steps. It was all there, wasn't it? And then the horse-drawn procession. You know, and the commentators kind of all the way through saying, you know, this is us, this is England, this is how we do things, isn't it amazing? It's good to have a moment of pride in being part of this country, isn't it? For all the right reasons. But actually there was also a moment we began very solemnly very seriously in the church after Megan had got to it's got a good name by the way after Megan had got to the top of the I did put a little photograph of my wife on Facebook just about 20 minutes before the ceremony started saying grabbed a sneaky picture of Megan just before the big day she's beautiful (laughs) I mean there's, there's only one day in the world when you can do that so anyway you know, we had this, Megan had got to the top of the aisle and, and Harry and William were doing their little chats. The dean stood up and was typically historic, amazingly practiced at being dull Anglican. Um, I, 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 I'm happy to say that to him in case anyone wants you know challenge me on whether uh, whether I'm talking. About. And then Justin arrived and and saved the day and up the temperature. And we thought you know this is going to be okay. This is going to be quite nice and safe. And then, then the black bishop preached. Ah! Oh. And there was fire in the house, wasn't there? Wasn't that beautiful? And, and one of the most beautiful things about it was that almost universally, his warmth and passion and fire in the way that he talked about love and hope and changing the world was embraced. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. He was a man who spoke clearly about the gospel of Jesus Christ to a watching world who spoke with passion 
about life-changing faith, the power of love. I mean, there were about five or six lines in his preach that were from songs, so we struggled uh, in our family because we kept on finishing off the line. Um, but anyway, they're good lines. <laughs> You know, the power of love, a force from a... No, no, don't go there. Um, A man who spoke with passion, who spoke the truth to a watching world. But as we come to Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday, there is this little step that comes before the power of love, and that's the power of love. You see, it's the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead that lives in us. That means we can love as Christ has loved us. It's the same Holy Spirit that filled Jesus with power. It's the same Holy Spirit that fell on those disciples and rested upon them that lives in us and makes us the kind of people that can fill this world with love and change it, as the bishop has invited us so passionately to do. What I want to try and communicate to you today is really very simple. I'm going to whiz through a whole load of verses to try and get you there and try and take you on a little bit of a journey And then we're going to look at some pictures together. In Luke's Gospel, we have this pattern of what it's like to receive the Holy Spirit, what it's like to walk with the Holy Spirit. And if you want the verses, um, please ask me afterwards because I'm going to go through them far too fast for you to be able to look them up. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35... Jesus is conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and overshadows Mary. The angel says that that Jesus will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, even while he's growing in the womb. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 1 verse 15. At his baptism... The Holy Spirit comes and rests upon Jesus in bodily form, in the form of a dove. Not a mirage, but an actual dove coming and resting upon him. Luke 3 verse 22. And in Luke chapter 4 verse 1, Jesus, who is full of the Holy Spirit, is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness led by the Holy Spirit into a place of temptation, of testing. It's a strange verse. And the one that I want you to kind of go and look up at the end of this uh, this morning is to then go and look up the contrast between Luke chapter 4 verse 1 where Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit and is led out into the wilderness and he undergoes these temptations And each time he fires back scripture. But then Luke chapter 4 verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. 
You see, before the day of Pentecost, the disciples had already received the Holy Spirit. Mark, how can this be? The Holy Spirit, Pentecost is the day when the Holy Spirit gets poured out. How can they have already received it? Well, I, I, I say that because it seems to me that it's quite clear. In John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus shows up, this is before Pentecost, and breathes on the disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And if we read Ephesians uh, chapter uh, chapter 1 and verse 13 says this, And you who were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your, of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a, depo- a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. The moment that you believe you receive the Holy Spirit. You get sealed up with Him. He comes and lives inside and seals you over for eternity. A deposit in you that guarantees your inheritance. I've just given away one of my best baptism talks to Wes. Um, Because we're having some baptisms on the evening of the 3rd of June in the encounter service. And we've got a couple of uh, young people that are going to get baptised. And I've just given away in my best baptism talk, which is to use um, fruit jars, which have got a rubber seal on them, to talk about what it's like to receive the Holy Spirit. And the moment you believe... You get filled with clean water with the Holy Spirit and the clamp goes down and you're sealed. And even if the stuff of life messes you up again, on the outside, there's nothing that can break the seal. A deposit in you that guarantees your inheritance. So the disciples had already received the Holy Spirit. They were already filled with the Holy Spirit. But there's more. The thing is, there's always more. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells them to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 1, verse 4. Chapter 1, verse 5, that they will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. To be completely immersed and drenched in the Holy Spirit. Soaked in Him. And chapter 1, verse 8 of Acts, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So how do we receive this Holy Spirit? This third person of the Trinity. Not an it, but a him. What we do is we make a choice to follow Jesus. We repent and we believe. And at that moment we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But even once we've received, there's more. Even once we've received, there's more. I tell this story relatively regularly just because it's so, uh, it's so clear, but I, I, I sh- was sharing 
faith with, we were on a mission in Kent somewhere, I was sharing faith with four lads who were kind of sitting outside the place where we were kind of doing this barbecue thing, and I explained the gospel to them with some sticks and some old packets of crisps, rubbish, on the ground, sitting on the floor with them sitting on a wall. And they heard, they heard the message, and they said, what are we supposed to do? So I led them in a prayer, and, and in that moment, all four of them came to faith and to follow Jesus. And as I got to the end of the prayer, all four of them went, Oh, what was that? And I said, Oh, I didn't tell you about him. <laughs> uh, that's Jesus' friend. That's the Holy Spirit, and you've just met him. Um, it was a beautiful moment. But you know, even, even when you've received the Holy Spirit and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, there's more. Nigel's going to come and help me to explain. Nigel. Come on. I didn't ask him. I hope it's all right, Nigel. Um, I don't know about you, but but my capacity to receive the Holy Spirit, I feel, is not very not very big. That's for you. Imagine that's you. Some of you have worked out where this is going to go. You haven't got a very expensive watch on, have you? Was that, was that a laugh of fear? <laughs> See, the thing is, we, when, when, we, when, when the Holy Spirit fills us, when we make a choice to follow Him, what happens is he, is he really does fill us. But the moment He's filled us, He doesn't ever stop filling us. And what He wants to do is keep on filling and filling and filling. You might want to get a bit closer to the bowl. Um, keep on filling us and filling us. So that actually what happens is we overflow with Him into the world in all the things that we say and do. And it's back to that bishop's message of the power of love overflowing into everything and changing the world. Do you want to should we stop there? Because this jug's quite full and that bowl's quite small. Do you want to put that in there? <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, look, we've made a mess. However much you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, there is more. There is power available for us as followers of Jesus. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. And one of the reasons why we use metaphors, why we use images to talk about what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit is because the words are not enough. So we use images like water to talk about the Holy Spirit being immersed in. Ah, but also, John chapter 4, the well of water of the spring of life flowing up from within us. It's inside and outside. It doesn't make sense. It's also anointing oil being poured over our heads that ease the conflict with one another that heal us. That means that the places that we go, we smell like Jesus. The wine of the Spirit. The wind of the Spirit. The breath of God. You know, I I walked into a room, I think it was in 1997, 
and there was a Ugandan pastor and five mad Americans praying. It wasn't the most sensible place to be. I was running away from trying to be on mission and I thought the prayer room would be safe. (laughs) And at the point that I was coming in, the Ugandan pastor was, was reading the opening passage of the Bible about the Spirit of God hovering on the waters. And within five minutes, I was laid out on the floor, slain in the Spirit. And you know, folks, I don't, I don't look back to that to tell you a story of something that happened long ago. I look back to that because I know that God is still doing that in me week on week on week and I hope you're allowing him to do it to you too. Because once he's started filling you, once he's opened up the taps, he doesn't stop pouring. What happens is we can step out of the flow. We can move out of the way because we we can't stand it anymore or we've decided it doesn't make theological sense or or we're just hurt, or whatever it might be. But you know where he wants you is standing right in the flow of his Holy Spirit. Not so that you become a a kind of spiritual superhero, but for every single one of you. I would expect that you know what the nudge of the Holy Spirit is like. You know, whether you're a, whether you're a, oh, God has said this kind of person, or whether you're a, um, I think I just need to call so and so. It's still God. It's still His Holy Spirit. And I hope that increasingly you're, you're saying, Lord, speak more. Fill me more. Heal me. Use me.